I'm going to read you a story this morning. The heat was scorching, and the dull ache that had been there at the beginning of the day's journey had now become a throbbing pain. She clung tightly to her tiny baby, twisting and turning as she followed the man in front of her through the crowds. They were nearly there, and the time was on their side. Somehow, through the traumatic events of the last year, the three of them were alive, and the three of them were together and strong. So many miracles had taken place in order for this to be so. This made their worship and their offerings much more meaningful than just a ritual to be performed out of duty. They owed God everything. As they arrived, a man stepped forward from the crowd towards them, tears running down his cheeks and relief written in his gaze. He gently took the child and looked towards heaven as he raised his voice and made his pronouncements over the tiny frame. He then spoke words softly to the young mother, which at the same time filled her heart with joy and pierced her soul with dread. The mother and father caught each other's eye and they nodded their heads as they quietly moved on further through to the inner court. This is when the small old lady saw them coming amongst the crowds. Waiting and trusting had become the rhythm of her life. Her husband had died when she was young and she had chosen to spend the rest of her life primarily praying at the temple. She had been waiting for so long. But now, as she saw the man, woman, and baby coming towards her, she knew that her waiting had ended. Stepping forwards and speaking as loudly as she could, she thanked God and explained to all who would listen that somehow this child was going to make everything okay. There's something about this moment where these four lives collide, which I believe has real relevance for us today as we embark on a new season with a new school year and a new church year. Um, What I've just read is my reflection on some words that were recorded by Luke in his gospel, and the story actually happened. On the surface and to the naked eye, we have a wise old man, expectant and knowledgeable about the promises of God. We have a young woman and a young man who've been through difficult times, including the birth of a child, which itself in those days often ended in death for the mother. And for the child, about 50% of those babies would die before they were five. Let's read the real version of this in Luke chapter 2, from verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord a pair of doves, or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. 
It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you've prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying, Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So there you go, the real version and the my version. Um, But this story is telling us about a historical situation where Jesus is taken to the temple about 40 days after his birth to offer purification offerings to God. And it was something that all faithful Jews would have done after the birth of a son. Not much is said about Jesus in his childhood in Scripture, but this is one of the few references to things that happened to him. And it gives us an idea of how his parents brought him up to be a God-fearing Jew. It also shows us how amazingly God uses and includes into his story those unknown people who faithfully looked to him to fulfill his promises, and those seemingly insignificant people who pray. Both Simeon and Anna were part of the older generation. Simeon holds the baby Jesus, and he recognizes in that small form the answer to all God's promises. Steve read some promises from Isaiah out this morning. The Old Testament is full of promises of God's restoration and healing and redemption. But this promise that Simeon brings out is that Jesus is a light not only to rescue Israel, but also to shine revelation to the Gentiles. So we've got Jesus coming for the Jews and the Gentiles. And in Jewish language, this means everyone. Because if you're not a Jew, then you're a Gentile. This baby somehow was going to bring salvation to the whole world, to all nations. But his prayer, which was uttered under the influence of the Spirit, the Spirit of prophecy, then turns to Mary And the excitement and the expectancy about Jesus turns to the joy of promise and the pain of danger and uncertainty. And those sacrifices of purification which Joseph and Mary brought to the temple were a sign of their humility that recognized 
their need of God's constant protection over every single part of their lives so that this plan could come about. You would think that we only really needed to know about the Simeon bit because the Simeon bit kind of carries all of the the information we needed. And yet, added onto the story is the story of Anna. Um, It doesn't even tell us what Anna says, but it says that she does it confidently and loudly. And here's another example in Scripture of how women are crucial in God's plan as much as the men. Remember that in that culture, in that time, women's testimony didn't actually have any clout at all. So in a court situation, women's testimony meant nothing. Um, But in God's story and in the, 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 the words that were given in Scripture over and over again, we have the testimony of the women being crucial. And not only that, but the thing that she is called out for is not the content of what she says, as I said before, but it's the fact that she has, until that day, spent her whole life praying for this moment, for the moment when she would see with her own eyes, God's salvation for the world. So through the story of Anna, we know that God wants us to know how much it matters that people pray. And not only that, but that it was this woman of prayer who had the eyes to see that the baby Jesus was God's Messiah, that he had come at last. So she was a woman who was close to God's heart. So let's think about this whole story then, and let's think about it as something some theologians call a kairos moment, a moment in time where the past and the future and the present are kind of encapsulated into this Holy Spirit moment of significance forever. Um, Let's think about the ingredients of the things that were there. We've got the excitement and the expectancy of Simeon. And we've got the pain and the promise to Mary. We've got the humility and the humanness of Joseph. And we've got the prayer and the passion of Anna. All depending on the grace and the promise of God and his salvation for all nations. In amongst the hubbub of life, the busyness of a crowd... The shadow of evil and uncertainty hanging over even them. And of course, we've got Jesus. It couldn't fail, could it? Could it? (laughs) Would it? Let's think about it. So for Anna and Simeon, their life goal had been fulfilled. But for Mary and Joseph, it was just the beginning And for Jesus, he had a lot of growing up to do. All the ingredients were there for God's kingdom. But as Jesus later said, that kingdom starts as a mustard seed and grows into what it should become. It's going to come, but it has already come. It's outside of us and it's within us. So every generation, every congregation, every nation, I'm not rapping. Um, (laughs) just needs these ingredients 
Look at us, old men, old women, young men, young women, children, babies. We have the prayer foundation that we're building on now. Carol Highlands came up a few weeks ago and gave a word that we are seeing now what some of you have prayed for for 20 years. And who are we praying for now, for the next 20 years? We have the expectation and the excitement that comes with all of the promises in Scripture for a new creation, restoration and renewal. The Spirit poured out on all flesh, old men, young men, sons, daughters, visions, dreams, reality. We have all of this. And we know that there will be a cost and sacrifice and pain. And yet we know that his promise will bring joy and freedom and release for the captives and sight to the blind and that the deaf will hear. So yes, we have Mary's pain and promise too. Some of you may just feel that you've been brought here, brought along, kind of just caught up in the life of your family or whatever. Maybe you represent Joseph, who kind of didn't have a great choice in his part of the story. Uh, but God understands your humanness, and he, he loves your humility. And you are crucial in the mix. You're meant to be here. Trust your crazy wives. <laughs> we all have so many nations represented here. I see visitors. It's great to have you guys. Um, you're meant to be here. Um, maybe not all the nations are represented, but all the nations are equally precious and loved and integral to God's mission for the world. Let's pray that we get more of the nations represented among us um, because it's so crucial for us to be effective in the world. And then some of us uh, might be feeling pretty alone and worthless. Maybe we feel we don't fit in. Um, perhaps Anna felt like that sometimes, but whoever we are, God wants, to wants all of us to embrace prayer more passionately in our lives, because this is the foundation that we will be building for our children. And as God continues to build the church here in Aylesbury for the world, that is the foundation that he will be building on. Let's do it for our children and our grandchildren. And so the last ingredient of all in that meeting that we've been thinking about, baby Jesus. Well, we haven't got baby Jesus here, but Jesus in our midst? Yes, of course, Jesus is in our midst. That's what we've been doing this morning. We've been practicing his presence, practicing the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's the reason we're here today. Jesus is our center he is, therefore we are. The drama of baptism reminds us that when we go under the water, we die to the life where we are in charge. We choose to say to Jesus, I want to follow you for the rest of my life, but that's not where it ends. Because as we die under that water, not literally, we've never actually held anyone under that long, <laughs> We are dying to the realm of humanity where sin and death ruled, ruled over us. And as we come out of that water, and we, we come up into the newness of life and the resurrection life of Jesus himself. As we do that, we become adopted into his family. So we die as slaves to sin 
and death, and we rise up as children of God. We are in Christ, the Bible says. So much so that we become Christ's body here on earth. When the Apostle Paul saw Jesus on the Damascus road, when his name was Saul, Jesus said to him, Why do you persecute me? Not why are you persecuting people or why are you persecuting people I love, but why are you persecuting me? So we are the body of Christ. We not only belong to Jesus, but we become incorporated into him when we become followers, part of him and part of each other. So there we have it, the last part of the ingredients that we needed, Jesus his body, warts and all, broken, weak, insufficient, not a little baby, but a not so perfect body. But until the kingdom comes in all of its fullness, we still long, in the words of Jesus' prayer, for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. That's the end game. We're working towards that, and the ingredients are here. Just as the mustard seed contains the kingdom, so do we. Just as Simeon and Anna and Mary and Joseph knew that the coming of Jesus meant salvation for all, so do we. Next week, we've got this push for prayer, which Steve mentioned earlier, and we try and do this uh, at various times in the year. We want to create space and encouragement for people to pray. Not that we don't want people to pray all the time, but we want to have intentional moments where we make much more of a deal of it. So as Steve said, we'll be meeting in the prayer room between 12 and 2, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, and then we've got the evening of prayer and worship here. Please feel free to come to any of these, but also to send prayer requests via our prayer cards. All of you in here touch parts of the world that we don't know about. So please help us to be with you as you go out into the world and help us to be involved through prayer. We have a prayer chain. We have a prayer email address that you can write to. Uh, we have a Facebook page, women's page, Room for More, which people use for prayer. And if you can't come here, please pray at home or wherever you are. Um, I've been listening to an audiobook of Pete Gregg's How to Pray. Uh, it's a simple guide for normal people, he says, and we've actually got 16 copies of this to sell this morning on the information desk. Bargain price of £10 each, and this copy's going free if anyone would like to come and get it at the end. Um, I recommend it highly. He calls it a simple guide for normal people, and he encourages us to have a place to pray. Um, sorry, I'm stuck. <laughs> he encourages us, to ha encourages us to have a place that we can pray, even if it's a chair, or uh, apparently Susanna Wesley used to put her apron over her head to tell her children that she was praying and she wasn't available to talk to her at that, them at that moment in time. Um, he explains some things like prayers of adoration, contemplation, confession, reconciliation, spiritual warfare, and silence, and how to hear from God. So you don't need to buy the book. There's plenty of resources out there. We also have in the prayer room, if you would like to take them, three cards 
um, that help with our quiet times with God. There's a centering prayer, a Lectio Divina, which is a kind of way of meeting with God and an examine. And actually, they're kind of, you can just Google them and it will explain to you what they are. So let's aim this week to cry out more to God as a community. Um, we want to say together, don't we, more Lord, not because you're not enough, but because so many people don't know your grace and your love. And Lord, we cry more, not because uh, we're special or because you think we're any better than anyone else, but because Lord, we've seen the promise in Jesus. And we know that you want your kingdom to go out into the world. And Lord, we know that we want your glory to fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. Um, We're going to go now into our time of communion, and we're going to do it a little bit differently today. Um, we, We have individual cups, um, and what I would love is if everyone could come and take one and a piece of bread. And if you're gluten-free, Fiona has some gluten-free bread at the stage this side. So what I'd love you to do is to um, come and take the cup and the bread and then go and sit down with it. So we're all going to take it together rather than having it individually. And we're going to think of, uh, we're going to pray together as we do it. So um, if the band could maybe start to come up and then we can have some worship. There will be ministry time after the communion. Um, and if there are specific things that God has spoken to you about today, then please come forward for prayer. If you just feel you want more of the Holy Spirit to touch your life, come forward for prayer. If you want just anything, if you want prayer for healing, share. This is a time when we're together and we enjoy Jesus' presence together. Let's take full advantage of everything that we have when we're together. I just encourage you to be bold and to answer the promptings of the Holy Spirit that he does um, in your heart.